Hey, Excel. Well, it's officially 2021, and it seems like our problems from 2020 have already trickled through into this year. We're obviously still in a pandemic. We're still going through some of uh, health issues and, and stuff that's going on with that. But to me, the most concerning is obviously what was reminded of us last week. We're still having these political issues. Uh, last year, 2020, was filled with either political issues or issues that were politicized, meaning politicians were taking issues and, and trying to turn them their way. And uh, there was a lot of divisiveness that was going on in our country. People choosing sides, uh, people arguing with one another, social media attacks on one another, and you know all that, obviously, stuff that you very well know about. And I'm not going to get into everything with that, but I am going to touch on the part that frustrated me the most. And that has to do with the roles that Christians have been playing in all of this. I think uh, in the last year, just being quite honest with you, there's been a number of times where I've been disappointed uh, to be associated with certain people that have posted certain things. Uh, Not because I don't like them or I don't love them, uh, but because I find that oftentimes when we hit all these other issues and we're so vocal about those things and not vocal enough about God, it tends to water down the gospel. But even more than that, it tends to put a bad taste in unbelievers' mouths. And I'm, I'm more than that even frustrated with the fact that it's so easy for people to pick sides and to choose champions and to line up ideologies that drift away from their theology and their understanding of who God is. I'm frustrated, but I'm not surprised because from the beginning of time, we have always tried to look to someone to lead us. And God has always tried to be that someone to lead us. And humanity is always trying to prop up a person. We're always trying to put someone in charge, someone ahead, someone to say, hey, they have the answers. We just got to follow them. And we we put this combative nature between the people that we want to lead us and God who wants to lead us. And so I want to talk to you about that because uh, whether it's political or any other object, it's very easy for us to replace God with another God, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in an ideology, whether it's a part of just dreams and hopes that you have, whatever you start to worship more than your worship for God, whatever you start to elevate above God becomes your God. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to 1 Samuel because we see just one example and the Bible is filled with examples of people who have tried to replace God in their lives, of people who have made the mistake of thinking, I don't need God, I need this. And in 1 Samuel, uh, we're getting to Samuel's later years, and uh, he has already been a prophet for the nation of Israel, and a prophet means he's a, a mouthpiece for God. God speaks through Samuel to the people of God. And he's kind of the de facto leader. Uh, The Bible describes them as judges for a good portion of the Old Testament. These were leaders of the people of Israel who would step up in times of crisis and need. Uh, They weren't necessarily like what you would consider a king or even a president. They were just kind of the community leaders that would step up. And in this case, they were people that God would use. Well, Samuel's getting old. And naturally, people looked to the next generation and they were looking to his sons. But his sons weren't like Samuel. His sons didn't love God, didn't follow God. They did things that the people knew weren't godly. And so the people decided to have a meeting with Samuel. And I want you to see 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm just going to read a few verses, verse 4 through 9. Listen to what the Bible says. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. They told him, uh, give us a king to judge us like all other nations have. 
Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. As I read that, I had four thoughts that came to my mind, almost like warnings and, and little phrases that I think are important and that are highlighted in this passage. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I think you need to write down is motives matter. Yeah, motives matter. Why you do something matters or why you want something matters. There wasn't anything inherently wrong with them wanting the king. Like I said, they had leaders, right? They had the judges. They had people like Samuel. For generations, they've had uh, community leaders, people that they can look to to help them understand what God wants and ultimately follow what God planned for them. But the entire time, God was still their king. Now there's a moment where they're not necessarily looking for a new leader. The issue here is they're just looking for a replacement. They don't want God as king anymore. They want someone else. They want to be like the Bible says, like all the other nations. They're looking around at what everybody else says, and they want what the world has. And listen, oftentimes, that's the issue that you and I face. It's not necessarily that you want something. It's why you want it. Well, I, I want to be in a relationship because everybody else is in a relationship. Or I want to be married because everybody else is married. Or, you know, I want to have a lot of money because people who have a lot of money look like they're having a great time. And, you know, I want to be famous because all these other people are famous. And so, you know, a lot of times our motives are wrong or are skewed or unhealthy simply because we want what everybody else wants. And God looks at those motives. Listen, Proverbs 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. See, the problem is oftentimes when you look at it for yourself, you're thinking, my motives aren't wrong. Like, I want this. And a lot of times we justify, like, man, I want this for God. I want a new car so that I can drive to church. Right? That's my purpose. And we can fool ourselves into thinking things like that. But the Bible says that God knows your motives. God knows exactly why you're thinking. And you need to be careful about why you think you need something. Often we ask God for something. And he's already capable of fulfilling in and of himself. We want somebody to affirm us. And God's going, well, what's wrong with me? I affirm you. We want a career that validates our existence. And God's going, man, I've had a plan for your existence before you were even born. We want uh, someone to help us be uh, more cognizant of, of who we are and what we want to be and give us intrinsic value. We want things that are going to bring us happiness. And God is saying, listen, aren't I enough to be the source of your happiness? Don't I give you more than intrinsic value? So when you're unsure of your motives, you have to be careful. But even more than that, you have to be willing to do what Samuel did. Samuel was displeased. And rather than just work out of emotions, he prayed about it. So if you're taking notes, remember this. When in doubt, pray. When in doubt, Pray Again, Samuel wasn't happy, but I love that Samuel didn't react out of his emotions. Samuel didn't argue with them and say, you don't need a king. What do you want a king for? God is our king. God can take care of us. God didn't sit there and reprimand them. And listen, a lot of times, especially uh, what we're seeing on social media TV, there are a lot of Christians who think they know best, but they're speaking out of emotion and they're not speaking on God's behalf. 
And so in their righteous anger or unrighteous anger, they try to chastise you. They try to belittle you. They try to make you feel bad. And they think that somehow that makes them righteous before God. But listen, what you feel like you should say isn't always what God wants you to say. We need to pray. We need to ask God, God, what am I supposed to do with this decision? What am I supposed to say to this person? Listen, John 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. This is Jesus speaking. He will not speak on his own will, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. When the Holy Spirit comes, right, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. One of the biggest issues we're having now is that nobody's sure what's true. You got one side of the camp that believes, hey, the election was fair and, and, and right, and I tend to lean on that end. But you have almost half of our nation that believes that it was a fraud or that it was stolen. And, and so you get these people that are starting to say, well, I don't know. If, maybe that's true for you, but it's not true for me. And so you get these relative truths, right? Well, maybe, you know, thinking that way is true for you, but it's not true for me. For me, truth is truth. Whether you think differently doesn't negate the truth. Like if I give you $100 and you're like, that's not $100, that's $10. I'm sitting here going, bro, that's 100 bucks." And you want to keep arguing with me, I'm just going to take my money and go, you know what, don't worry about it then. Because what you feel and what you believe isn't always necessarily going to be what's true. So we have to rely on the spirit of truth, on the author of truth to say, God, what's true in this situation? Not how I feel, not what other people have told me, not what I've read on social media or in the news. But you, God, you tell me what is true and what do I need to understand? Because God will bring, bring clarity to future decisions. When he says he will tell you, like the verse says, he will tell you about the future. It's not saying that God's going to make you like a fortune teller, right? You're not going to be able to see into the future and you're not going to get these superpowers. What he's saying is when you're trying to make future decisions, he will lead you into all truth to help you make decisions that you need to make. This is what the nation of Israel had an issue with. They were confused with, with what they wanted. They misunderstood what they wanted for what they needed. And a lot of times we make that mistake, right? Because our truth is so much to us, you know, reality, that we start to think, no, 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 this isn't just what I want. This is what I need. And in the nation of Israel, they're looking around, they're going, well, Samuel's gone. He was a great leader, but we don't have anybody else not thinking about God. They go, we need a real leader. We need a king like everybody else has a king. And they mistake, they had a mistaken understanding of what they needed and what they wanted. That's why the third thing I think to me is so important for us to understand is that you need to be careful what you wish for. You need to be careful what you wish for. My daughter, she's getting to that age where she wants everything she sees and she reaches for everything she sees and not everything she sees is good for her to have. There are a lot of things that are dangerous. There are a lot of things that can hurt her, you know? Just because she wants to grab, you know, the power cord doesn't mean I should let her grab the power cord. Just because she wants to put everything in her mouth doesn't mean I need to let her put everything in her mouth. And listen, when I stop her from doing what she wants to do, she kicks and screams and fights and gets mad at me. And we do the same thing to God. When we really want something and God stops us from having it, sometimes we get so mad that we turn on God. We get angry at God and we get frustrated with God because, well, I want it. And God's trying to tell you, you don't, you don't need it. But eventually, and in some cases, if you push enough, God might give it to you. And that's not a good thing. 
There's been a couple of times where my daughter really wants to try something I'm eating and it might be spicy or it might be sour and she keeps fighting me. She's starting to kick and scream and I go, fine, have some. And then she has some and then she starts crying because it's hot or because it's sour. And But now she knows, like, listen, you're not going to want everything that I have. You're not going to want everything that's in front of you. Sometimes it's best for you to trust me. It's best for you to understand that as your father, I know what's best for you. Listen, Psalm 37, verse 3 through 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now let me focus in on that last line. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Most people, when they read that passage, zero in on he will give me my heart's desires. And we use that as an excuse to do things, right? Well, God knows my heart, and so he wouldn't put me in this situation, right? And you hear that a lot of times. I hear that from people who are married and are having issues in their marriage, and they're thinking, well, God knows my heart. He wouldn't want me to be unhappy in marriage. And that's not true. That's not necessarily true. I'm not saying you need to be in an abusive relationship, but what I am saying is just because you're unhappy doesn't mean it's God's will for you to not be in that situation. Because the pretext to that sentence, right, when he says he will give you your heart's desires, is to take delight in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? When we take delight in the Lord, that's that's this deep relationship with God, loving to be with God. And when you love to be with God and you have this closeness with God, suddenly it's not your desire becomes his desire, it's his desires become your desires. So it's not that God grants all your wishes, it's that all your wishes are things that God wants for you. You become lined up with his heart. And so the things that he wants are good for you. So again, just going back to the illustration of my daughter, when I want to give her broccoli and she wants broccoli, now she's in my will. And so she's all happy because she's eating her broccoli, she loves to eat it, but so am I. And I'm glad to give her all of that that she wants because I know that it's good for her. Listen, God is willing to give you the desires of your heart when your desires line up with his. And it's not because he's greedy. It's because he cares for you. Because not everything you want is good for you. Listen, I'm I'm telling you right now, I was just talking to my wife uh, yesterday. She sent me a picture, the first picture we ever took as a couple. And we've been a couple now for nine years. And I think about all the dumb little kitty relationships I had and, you know, moments when you're a kid and you think you're in love and you think this is the one and everybody's the one behind there. There's a lot of ones out there. And I think, wow, if God would have answered all those prayers for all those people back then, I would have never had what I have now. I thank God that he didn't always say yes to me because I needed him to say yes when it really mattered. I thank God that he didn't always hand me what he wanted. See, with the nation of Israel... There's been a number of times where they ask for things, and if they ask long enough, God says, fine, have it. There's this great story I love when he rescues the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and they're wandering the desert, and the Bible says they start to complain because God is literally raining down bread from heaven, right? They don't have to farm. They don't have to go to the store. Bread is falling from heaven, and they start complaining about having bread all the time. Oh, I can't believe we got to eat bread again. Bro, bread is magically appearing. You know what I would do for bread to magically appear in my lap every day? That is awesome. And yet they started to complain. And they went so far as to say, man, remember in Egypt when we were slaves? Yeah, I mean, we were slaves, but we got to eat meat. Man, those were the days. I wish we were back in Egypt. And then God got mad. And God said, you know what? You want meat? 
I'll give you meat. I'll give you all the meat you can eat. And not just for one day, not just for two days. You're going to eat meat for a month. And he gave them so much meat that they were busting at the seams. And on top of that, he made a plague pass. I mean, it seems a little over the top, but that's God. God's making sure they understood. Listen, don't confuse what you want with what you need. I will provide your needs. And sometimes we skip our need and we sacrifice it for a want. And I want to make sure that my wants line up with God's wants. And because of that, I want to make sure that my desires are God's desires. The fourth thing that I noticed and wanted to tie in is don't say God doesn't warn you. You know that old saying, don't say I didn't warn you. A lot of times uh, we get these warnings that we don't listen to. We get these warnings that we don't pay attention to. And they're warnings to help us. Warnings are set up to prevent something bad from happening to you, not to make something bad happen to you. God wasn't cruel to the nation of Israel in giving the king. I mean, ultimately, he gave them what they wanted, but he wasn't doing it necessarily to be vindictive or to be angry because he warned them. He gave them a warning before he gave them what they wanted. Remember, he said to Samuel, hey, do what they said, but make sure you give them a warning. Make sure they understand what exactly they're asking for. And if you go on to read 1 Samuel chapter 8, uh, Samuel gives them a clear indication. Listen, if you do this, if you get a king like everybody else, things are going to change. All your best land, it's going to go to them. All your best livestock, the things that you're living on, you're going to have to give a percentage to the king, right? Your, your children, they're going to be inscripted like your boys. Your sons are going to grow up and have to be soldiers in his army. Your daughters are going to grow up to be servants in his palace. Like there's going to be a sacrifice. This isn't going to necessarily be what you think it is. Are you sure you want a king? But listen to their response in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. Man, I, I'll be honest. There's been plenty of times where people have warned me and I just wouldn't listen. You know, I was thinking, as I mentioned earlier, just bad relationships that I'm glad God didn't say yes to. And there was one really unhealthy one I had, even while I was in Excel. And I remember talking to my leaders years later, you know, long after that had all ended. And, you know, I was, I think I was already married. And I remember just sitting with them one time. I go, man, guys, how come you never warned me? And literally they started cracking up. They're like, we were tired of warning you. You weren't listening. Like you didn't care. So we just said, whatever, man, do what you want to do. How many times has God warned you before he goes, you know what? Do what you want to do. I don't know about you, but that to me is a scary proposition to continually miss God's warnings. And oftentimes the moments we actually realize we were being warned, it's too late. It's when we look back and go, man, that was God warning me that I should have listened to you. I should have followed through. I should have paid attention in that sermon. Man, P. Joey said it clear as day. God was speaking to me that night and I didn't listen. I didn't pay attention. Look at the warnings. I thought about this too. I was, I'm on a group page, an alumni page for my high school, and there's people that have, you know, graduated in 1950 that are on this page. And one of the questions posed the other day was, uh, if you could do anything different in high school, what would you do? 
And there were so many, man, I would have paid attention in class. I would have uh, not cut school. I would have, you know, made better relationships. There's all these things that I go, man, I might just print this out and give it to my students at Excel. Because these are all warnings. These are all people that have lived where you've lived. And they said, listen, looking back at it, here is a warning. Don't do the dumb things that I did. God gave the people of Israel a warning, but they wanted it anyways. Often we make poor decisions knowing they're poor decisions, knowing that they're not good for us, knowing that they're not going to help us, knowing they're going to hurt us and our relationship with God, but we choose to do it anyways. Listen, I want to follow what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 8, because you'll see, like I said, that eventually they get their wish. God gives them a king and he's horrible. As a matter of fact, as you follow the kings of Israel, with the exception of a very few, most of them are horrible kings, wicked kings, kings who led the entire nation away from God to foreign gods, to worshiping false gods. Like it got really, really bad to the point where for 400 years, they didn't have anything and they were enslavement multiple times by multiple nations until Jesus arrived. And even today, I think we find ourselves in our same fight, deciding who we want to be king over our lives. And I think that's the important part of this, is that you get to make that decision. That's the craziness in all of this. God will guide you, God will warn you, God will tell you, God will give you truth. But you ultimately have to make decisions on who will be the king of your life. And I know some of us may think, well, what if? What about nobody? I'm not going to have anybody rule over my life. Yeah, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. It's going to be one or the other. Somebody has authority over your life. Somebody has influence that dictates and manipulates your life in some way or another. Yes, you have free will, but trust me, you have an accent because of where you live. There is influence on your life. And I know a lot of times people in Chicago are like, oh, I don't have an accent. Leave Chicago and people will show you you have an accent. My point is this. You may not be able to be king over your own life, but you do have a choice on who gets to be king over your life. Listen, you have to decide who you will follow. Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 through 15. I love what he's saying to the people. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will you be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I love what Joshua is saying. He's saying, listen. Whoever you choose to, to serve, choose today. Man, are you going to worship the gods of your old past life, the ones that you tried to walk away from? Are you going to serve the new gods in the place that you find yourself in? Man, you know what? Ultimately, that's your decision. But Joshua says, let me tell you my decision. When it comes to me and my family, we choose to serve the Lord. Ultimately, we're all going to stand before God one-on-one. -on -one. And the ones who chose to serve him are going to be greeted. And the ones who chose not to are going to go to the one they did choose to serve. So my question for you, as you've listened, hopefully, to the entirety of this message, 
is don't wait for when you get older or when this happens or, you know, a lot of people just, well, when I get, you know, more mature, I'll decide, you know, to find religion or do this. No, 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 listen, choose tonight, choose today whom you're going to follow. Decide for yourself. Don't let your parents decide. Don't let politics decide. Don't let Pastor Joey decide for you. Ultimately, you have to make the decision or else it's not real. You decide whom you're going to follow. As for me, Joey Silva, and my family, we choose to serve the Lord. I hope you make a wise choice. Let me pray that God will help you with that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for its guidance. I thank you for its truth and its wisdom. And God, there are so many things, people, uh, institutions, ideologies that are fighting for the throne of our lives, that are fighting to be king of our lives. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would make your truth relevant to them, God, that you would open their eyes, that they can see that there is no king above you, that there is no God above you, that you truly are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, I pray that they would choose you above all things, not out of fear of rejection, not out of fear of what they might be missing out, but out of love for you, because you are the only king who loves us enough to die for us and give us salvation. Lord, you are the only king who has a purpose and a plan for our lives, not to hurt us or to harm us, but to give us hope in a future. And so, Lord, I just pray, let them make the same decision that me and my family have made and so many others are continuing to make, to choose you, not just today, but every day of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I love you, Excel. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.